0: Hey guys, let's face it, we're not the spry youngsters we once were. Long gone are the days when you had 32 inch waists, a tuft of hair, and dreams a ticket on the world. But life doesn't slow down, it keeps going. Work, home projects, kids' sports, maybe around a round of golf or two if you're lucky. It's tough to find the energy to do the things that we want to do, let alone the things we have to do. That's why I urge you to check out M Drive Start. M-Drive Start is a premium protein powder packed with seven clinically tested ingredients that support energy, strength, and drive, and six premium protein sources for optimal recovery and digestion. Every year it becomes more obvious that we're getting older, but that doesn't necessarily mean we want to slow down. Instead, prioritize taking care of your health. Get M-Drive Start at mdriveformen.com. That's M-Drive For men.com use coupon code ZABE Charlie Zulu Alpha Bravo Echo for 10% off your first order that's coupon code ZABE you get 10% off your first order free shipping and a 60 day money back guarantee M drive start check it out and regain that spring in your step now if I can only get that tough to hair back just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the betting season is over oh no 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 no. Today on the Zabecast, golf nerds are tracking Tiger Woods' private jet like Norad is tracking Santa Claus. So will he play at Augusta next week? We'll see. I talked to Gary Williams, formerly of the Golf Channel, who also happens to be a rabid Tar Heel fan. He'll talk all about the big rivalry and showdown coming with Duke. Plus, it's the Springfield monorail of rule changes. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Thank you for downloading. So, Will Smith has apologized. And I would say it's a genuine apology. It includes two words that are always important, crucial words for an apology. I'm sorry, right next to each other. And then he also mentioned uh, Chris Rock by name. However, the fallout continues and the side stories continue. I saw a story that apparently, according to one poll, more people think the whole thing was Chris Rock's fault than it was Will Smith. And I'm thinking to myself, are you people nuts? Do you not remember Ricky Gervais when he hosted the Golden Globes and the speech he gave there and how savagely he went after everybody and everything? Now, again, it's not the Oscars, but still. It's one of the all-time flamethrowers of a speech you've ever heard, <laughs> including jokes I can't even believe he said. But the finish was especially good when it comes to uh, Ricky Gervais' speech. Here's the final two and a half minutes.
1: And fuck off, okay? Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is the saw one that said... This is the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs, right? (laughs) But Dame Judi Dench defended the film, saying it was the role she was born to play, because she... I can't do this next joke.
0: Listen to this.
1: Because she loves nothing better than plonking herself down on the carpet, lifting her leg and licking her own minge. Furball. Furball. She's old school. Um, It's the last time. Who cares?
0: He kept saying that. I'm not hosting this again. It's the last time.
1: Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama. Yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing. Made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So... Well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable, Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, right? (laughs) Come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and fuck off, okay?
0: (laughs) I mean, that right there is the way it's done. Absolutely savage. There was a Tom Hanks reaction bite where he's just like, "Mm, I don't know about this. Now, of course, the Golden Globes has been canceled because they kept snubbing African-American actors, and actresses, and then nobody wanted to host. And then they're like, well, shit, we can't even have the award show now. Ricky Gervais might have helped kill it, which is probably not a bad thing. Oh, by the way, Chris Rock is going on tour. Tickets are now selling briskly for his appearances. When Jada Pinkett Smith is ready to talk about this on her podcast, the same one in which she admitted to the world, yes, I have been with other men. That will be widely downloaded. And Will Smith has his redemption arc now set. Looks like everyone's going to make out all right in this whole thing. Oh, and then there's this. Who knows if this is true? We'll have to see. But I saw one nugget that said that Pfizer, our good friends at the Pfizer Corporation, you know, makers of wonderful, life-saving, injectable drugs may have an alopecia product coming out soon and that it sure is helpful there's a big public incident regarding alopecia that could help move product. Why do you think drug companies advertise so much? They advertise for conditions that, like mine, rheumatoid arthritis, Enbrel and Humera. it's like, if you have RA, trust me, you've already gone to the doctor and you're like, God damn, my joints are killing me. What's going on? And they do blood work and they run tests and they go, yeah, you got RA. Here's what you need to take. And then they prescribe it. You don't need the advertising for it, but then again, you do. Because there's a lot of people that do have joints that are killing them that don't think about going to the doctor and they're not on Humera or Enbrel. So they advertise. That's why they do it. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. We shall see. Meanwhile, the big story on Tuesday was the NFL has changed over time again. At least in the postseason. Again. This is so stupid. This is the Springfield monorail of rule changes and it passed with overwhelming numbers like 29 to 3. Here's how it's going to work. Kevin Seaford, ESPN.com. A majority of NFL decision-makers arrived at the Breakers Hotel this week willing to adjust overtime in some fashion, largely in reaction to public outcry after the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Buffalo Bills in overtime during the divisional playoff round with an opening, pos- opening possession touchdown. You, of course, remember that game was bonkers back and forth down the stretch in the final two minutes. And then in overtime, the Chiefs marched right down the field. The Colts... And Eagles proposed a mandatory possession for both teams in all games, including the regular season. But the competition committee chairman, Rich McKay, said there was not enough support among owners to pass that rule unless it was amended to be just the postseason. So they did amend it, and it passed 29-3. to The three teams that said no were a weird collection of teams, like the Dolphins and the Raiders and somebody else. Doesn't matter. Since the requirement for an opening possession touchdown was instituted for the 2012 regular season, teams winning the coin toss have won 50% of the time. Oh, really? The number has ticked up a bit to 54% since the league shortened overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. But the postseason is a different animal. Since uh, the... uh, Since the previous playoff format was implemented in 2010, seven of 12 overtime games have been won on the opening possession. Seven of 12. Why, that's just a little bit more than six of 12, which would be half. Ten of those 12 were won by the team that won the coin toss. To which I say, who fucking cares? If seven of 12 overtime games in the playoffs have been won by the team that won the coin toss or on the opening possession I should say because i assume if you win, if you win the game on the opening possession it means you won the coin toss then the postseason format is perfectly fine it's damn near 50-50 so whether who cares if 10 of the 12 ended up being won by the team that won the coin toss. It just means they got a second stab at scoring to win the game, which will still be the case under the new format. McKay acknowledged that a total of 12 games is not a large sample size. No shit, but it was significant enough to prompt a change. Oh, 12 is significant enough. What would seven have been enough? What about nine? 11? Could you get away with just Five as a sample size. 12. The idiocy is just amazing. But again, this is because the fairies have taken over. Mike Tomlin, now on the competition committee, I love this guy, had the opposite view. He said, he's a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, said Tomlin. I don't want to have to stand in front of my team in the most significant moment of the game and explain to them how and why it's different or to remind those guys who of the rules. The closer that we can remain to traditional football, I'm going to be in alignment with that. Fantastic. Of course, his opinion did not carry the day. The fairies have won. So now in overtime, in the playoffs, both team both teams get a chance to touch the ball. The first team, if they score a touchdown, will then hand the ball to the other team who can also score a touchdown, which if they do... Then the first team that scored the touchdown now gets the ball, and it's suddenly sudden death. So it's (laughs) it's just going to end up right back where you you had it before. Again, the monorail of rule changes. Overtime. 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 Overtime.
2: You know, a town with money is a little like the mule with a spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Mule. The name's Lanley. Lyle Lanley. And I come before you good people tonight with an idea. Probably the greatest... Oh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville idea. Now, wait just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. Just tell us your idea, and we'll vote for it. All right. I tell you what I'll do i'll show you my idea i give you the springfield monorail i've sold monorails to brockway ogdenville and north haverbrook and by gum it put them on the map well sir there's nothing on earth like a genuine bona fide electrified six-car monorail what i say monorail what's it called monorail that's right monorail monorail, monorail.
3: monorail. monorail. I hear those things are
2: awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the track could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu, Hindu friend. What about us Brendan slobs? You'll be given cushy jobs. Were you sent here by the taboo? No good, sir. I'm on the level. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called?
0: Overtime! Overtime! But Main Street's still all
1: cracked and broken. Sorry, Mom. The mob has spoken.
0: The yeah. mob has indeed spoken. Mom! Don't! <laughs> Anyhow, uh, you know, what are you going to do? As much as I try to educate people on this, they just don't get it, some of them. These games are just for fun. Even the pro games, they get paid the same for winning as they do losing, with a little bit difference in the playoffs. Getting it right is overrated. Solly taught me that. And we're here for a good time, not a long time. Overtime is a mechanism to induce the end of the game, which is for fun. It is not to somehow achieve a mythical fairness. But alas, here we are. Remember the first time you broke 100 on the golf course? It's a big deal, right? You suck at golf, but you love it. You can't break 100. You break 100 for the first time, you're all into it. What about the first time you broke 90, if you're better than that? 80? 70? What do you think about baking a cake for yourself to celebrate the achievement? Dylan Dethier, writer for Golf Magazine, posted a picture... Of his friend Mitch. Who broke 100 for the first time. And baked himself. A 96. Golf cake. To celebrate the accomplishment. It's like a really fancy looking cake. With a a green on top. With the number 96. A flag in it. And a little bunker. Which is more orange than it is sand colored. But I guess that's all he had. And I mean it looks like a pretty good cake. Reminds me of the great Abe Poland bite. Where's the cake? Bring out the cake. What's going on? I need the cake. <laughs> Bake a cake because you broke a hundred. Only golf does this to us. All right. I had a chance to hook up with Gary Williams, formerly the golf channel. He now hosts a podcast called five clubs. It's about golf. And it's named after the five original private clubs in the U.S. that formed the USGA back in the day. You can search for it on your favorite platforms and on YouTube. And while you'll hear how and why he's such a rabid UNC fan, we first start with the golf nerd news of the day. All right, before we get to North Carolina versus Duke, Gary, we are tracking tail fin numbers as of this tuesday morning <laughs> apparently a plane owned by one eldrick tiger woods has made its way northward from Hobesound, sound florida to augusta national is it happening i ask you it's happening it's happening, it
3: happening. Yeah, it's happening i
0: think it's happening happening wow
3: I mean, I love, I love that the tail tracker is back. Um, (laughs) I've missed it so much. Right. Uh, It's such a tizzy. I mean, I I just, you know, I I looked at my phone at like nine thirty, and I'm talking about reputable media members, just, just giddy over, over the fact that his G five fifty. Can't land at the, at the, the more intimate little airstrip that it's going to have to really? actually go. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh, yeah. His plane's yes. too
0: big to land at the little airstrip <laughs> in Augusta. It's got to go. That's to, right. Oh wow. It's got go okay. to it's gotta
3: go to Bush. It's got to go to Bush. It's <laughs> got to,
0: yeah. Unbelievable. Magnificent. It'll, it'll put a, it'll put a charge into the masters. Not that it needs it. It's golf's holiest week for sure. But who can you imagine the parlay, Gary? Of I bet you Tiger will play in the Masters this spring, and Phil will not.
3: No, it's 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 extraordinary where we've we've gone in eleven months from his horrifying accident to Kiowa to to the Live Golf Invitational meltdown to to, to where we are present day. I mean, for for Phil to be told, and I, you know, everybody, I I was told this uh, before the players that he got the word, why don't you sit this one out? Um, Oh, really? From from who?
0: The Green Jackets? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought, Gary, because I said, they are all about protecting the tournament. The tournament. Correct. The tournament, the tournament, the (laughs) tournament that comes first, (laughs) second, third, and last so yeah, unless unless Phil were to do an event beforehand and get it all out. Now you had Phil on your podcast, on your five clubs
3: podcast, I believe, what, a couple I did. months ago? Yeah. Before I had this blew up. It was when we when we when we launched, he was my first guest. It was the week before the Ryder Cup. He was actually he was at Whistling Straits with the team. And it was great about it. I mean I had asked him at the BMW at Cage Valley in August. Um and, and that was the first time that he started talking about his misgivings about you know media rights um and and w- was was willing to talk about uh you know the the Saudi initiative. And so it, it got a little bit of run then and then people started to revisit it. Uh so yeah I mean that that was kind of I mean I that was kind of the start of people knowing that it was it was a real thing for him. Now like his numbers were completely you know ass backwards on on you know, the media rights right. and, and how much revenues go to the players right. as opposed to the tour, so on and so forth. But, yeah, it's it's. Uh, that it's so He's looks, not going to – I mean, yeah. It's unless, unless
0: Tiger can't go, like there's still that possibility. Yeah. And I assume he would take it easy during practice rounds, nine holes at most, I'm guessing, to Correct. get that leg in shape. And then he'll give it a go Thursday and Friday. But I'm not betting against a guy not finishing when he won the U.S. Open – in, uh, what, not 72, but 90 holes on one 90, leg. N-
3: 91, 91 holes. 91 holes,
0: right. <laughs> 18 extra plus a uh, sudden death after that against Rocco Mediate. All right.
3: The General Insurance presents Ordering a Sandwich with Shaq and Hall of Fame announcer Michael
0: Buffer. I'm going to have roast beef. What do you want, Michael? Let's get ready for pastrami on rye. Right. Turns out Michael Buffer talks like that all the time. And it turns out The General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. Spicy Dijon mustard. For a great rate. In nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with The General.
3: The General Auto Insurance Services Inc. Insurance Agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions
0: apply.
2: At Kroger, we believe fresh means holding our produce to a higher standard.
0: That's why we do up to a 27-point inspection on our produce. Like for citrus, we check for things like scarring and sunburn. Yep, oranges can sunburn, and we'll make sure you never see it. In fact, we only allow the best
2: oranges, lemons, and grapefruits to reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh for everyone, we believe the juice is worth the squeeze. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
0: Just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the betting season is over. Oh, no, 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 no. I quickly learned of his utter and fanatic fandom of the mighty tall heels of North Carolina, which is a, an affinity that your late father Buck instilled in you.
3: Talk to me. Yeah, he did. And, and you know, my father played baseball at the university of Florida, but when we, when I was born, I was born in Hickory, North Carolina, Catawba County product. Uh, and, and my dad, Became very good friends. He actually lived across the street. It was a guy named Bill Chambers, who was the Converse rep. Now, for the kids out there, they're like, Converse. Converse. <laughs> so let me tell you something. Converse gave, gave Nike free aside when it came to owning the college landscape sure. in the 70s.
0: Okay, Nike You're was a running shoe it. back then. It was yeah, not a basketball shoe. Converse and with with the the Bird Magic, the you know the the, the black shoes for Bird.
3: They, they had them yeah. all. Yeah, Isaiah Isaiah wore Converse. Right, Mark Aguirre wore Converse. I mean, everybody did. Of course, Michael wore Converse because he had to at North Carolina. But anyway, this guy Bill Chambers was. He he had actually—he may still hold the division one record for the most rebounds in one game. He had 53 at William and Mary. So anyway, this guy was—he was the man. He was like the the Sonny Vaccaro of the '70s when it came to being connected to all these programs. So my dad, my dad liked Coach Smith, and so I, I started going to Carolina basketball camp, and that was the first time I saw James Worthy. I was 13 years old Oof. at Carmichael Auditorium. He was just finishing high school in Gastonia and they let him play in the counselor game and he made Walter Davis look like an old man <laughs> who was uh, was an all-star. And yes. uh, he was you know, he'd been in the league for a couple of years, so I just, you know, I I was attracted to the program and Phil Ford was my guy who was the consummate point guard running four corners for coach Smith. So yeah, I mean it it was it's been in me. And never in my lifetime, especially after 91, when it looked like, and even then in 91 in Indianapolis, I still didn't think it was going to happen. The fact that they've never met in the NCAA tournament, and now, really now, yeah. after all, it's these bonkers. Years, it's, it's crazy. And, and particularly, Steve, on top of what transpired a month ago, yeah. which was you talk about sweetness i haven't (laughs) felt that way in decades all of the all of all of the venom and the undercurrent of of the the way that i used to be when i was completely unhinged including with you in march of 98 (laughs) being inside car being inside cameron in that little sweat box that when they (laughs) melted down against steve wojciechowski uh, yeah, it all boiled up a month ago, and now here we, we got it again. And of all places in New Orleans, which has been very good to the North Carolina yes, Target. yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. So as a as a heels fan, you know, for years it was a fair fight. It was Titan versus Rising Titan, Dean Smith versus K. And then a, the you know inevitable retirement came. Uh, Coach Gut had the team for what two years? Three. after three afterwards, and did pretty well, right? Two final fours. Yeah. Two two final fours pretty good. Yeah. And yeah. then and then the program took a little walk in the woods uh, with the Doherty era, which was really, really bad. Yes. But you got it back together. You said we're going to the well. We're going to get Roy out of Kansas. Took a hell of an effort, but you got him. And so then it was on again. It was a fair fight. Now you got Coach K finally retiring. Did you dream of this day as a Carolina fan? Not that your program is not on par with or equitable with Duke, but at least, you you know, this pain in the ass who built this empire is finally (laughs) going to step down because we don't know what's going to happen next, right?
3: No. no, Well, listen, uh, look, Shire, and I think part of it is, you know, I I think it's coattails, but again, uh, look, Dave, you watch the McDonald's game tonight. Littered with Duke guys. I mean, he is locking in oh, five yeah. stars like crazy. So, you know, part is weird as this may sound. No, I wanted it to go on. Really? Because, yeah, I did. I did. I, I and, I, and look, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be Roy. I, you know, everyone talks about, you know, Bo Shinbuckler and Woody Hayes. That was 10 years. That's all it was. Now, for people who follow Michigan and Ohio State, they would have thought that they coached against each other for five decades. I wanted it to go on with Roy, and I get why Roy. With Roy, okay.
0: Did Roy Roy retire a bit too early, or is he not in great health? No, I don't
3: think so. I think he was, I think that the transfer portal in conjunction with NIL for a guy who is wired the way that he is. Uh, it was just, it was overload for him. It yeah. was time. It was time. And I think, and I give him great credit to, 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 to walk away. Don't do the victory tour. And, and, you know, Kay His as much as he can say. And I actually, by the way, have come around because I had an experience with him. And my wife was like, Julie's like, wait a second. This is like alternate universe. This is Satan. This is basketball Satan. You cannot have any
0: any affinity for or positive feelings. I
3: couldn't look him in the eye. (laughs) I watched every game and when they put him on the screen, I looked away. For twenty-five years, I looked away.
0: It's amazing the juggernaut that he built and they had very few down years and the down years they had, he conveniently had back injuries, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but but it's
3: for people. (laughs) The one, let me add this one thing because you got to live this for a couple of years. We're going to talk about some of that. What what he did was the guy swam through a riptide with, with the presence of Dean Smith to not only trade haymakers with him, to to put him on the canvas a couple times and yeah. dismiss credit he got off the mat to 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 you know really end very strongly his actually his record the last 5 years against K was very good but nonetheless
0: i mean duke in theory has no more birthright to be this powerhouse than wake or nc state correct sir but but they've built a brand they've built a mystique and the one thing i think that really keeps them going is they have such a unique environment that they're a juggernaut program with a 9,000 seat high school gym. That is mythical that they will never get rid of. And they got all the money from the endowment. They don't need to build a big fancy new palace like NC state plays in for revenue or everything else, which loses all that charm. So that's the, that's the beating heart of Duke as a brand.
3: Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, they've got the backdrop of this 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 leafy you know s- yes. superior institution but guess what Hogwarts Witt it's does
0: too. it's it's Hogwarts basketball team is what it is but they get <laughs> they get NBA stars to come i mean their talent level is sick but we'll see when they roll them out on saturday night i think it's going to be absolutely epic do you have a good feel at this point in the week
3: you know strangely i was with a couple of guys this morning who are actually my business partners now who are lifelong Carolinas fans, one of whom now you remember but back in the day, Carolina used to have this little manual scoreboard in the corner of the club. Yes, I remember yes, that. This guy is a kid flipped the numbers. No this guy, yes, yes. So anyway, we were talking this morning and, and I am always one, including in illness so much so that I used to buy wins. I used to bet against Carolina to, to be willing to pay the loss. You're
0: buying you're buying you're buying emotional victories. Yeah. Yes,
3: <laughs> absolutely.
0: That does the, not the that does not was. surprise me at all. Of course, you know, they could have that little flip scoreboard in the corner because when Dean was running the four corners, you didn't need a fancy scoreboard. It was like a kid's 10-year-old game with the flipboard scoreboard.
3: But but the reason they had that scoreboard, by why? the way, if anyone's like, well, why because when he, you, when he used to watch film, he wanted oh. to know score in relation to possession and execution. That's right. how meticulous he was. He wanted to be able to look at the screen and know the situation based on score. And you didn't have the overlay. Right. The no, technology not.
0: Yeah, was not the exactly. overlay. Well, oh, there you go. I learned something new. So Gary and I, when we, we met and we worked together at WFNZ in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had the Absolute luck and pleasure to have this deal where our station manager, general manager, um, uh, Mike, uh, why am I blanking Kellogg. on this? Mike Kellogg. Um, he got a deal with an RV company and wrapped the RV <laughs> with our station <laughs> logo and let us young punks drive it all around the ACC. And so we took trips with hosts and listeners to Cameron Indoor, to the Dean Dome. We went to Reynolds Coliseum once for NC State, the old venue, which was the weirdest venue you've ever seen. We took it down to South Carolina to Clemson for some football games. He was an absolute hoot. And we got to do all that. And we also worked with the son of Mark Packer. Billy Packer did afternoons. And Billy's, or in Mark Packer's shtick, I think I got that backwards. We worked yeah. with Mark Packer. Billy Packer's son. And Mark had this shtick on the air of keeping what he called the (laughs) ACC foul index card. And he would update it with every game that went by. And he would hammer home the fact that Duke was shooting more free throws. Or no, Duke was making more free throws than entire other teams in the league shot as evidence of this great injustice in the officiating, and it drove fans fucking crazy, didn't it?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. It was called the infamous ACC index card, <laughs> and he would update it after every game. Yes. And, and, oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw the graphic on Saturday night in San Francisco. They used it. No! Used st- I swear to God, here is of old. In 2022, Jim Nance's voice speaking over the graphic, Duke has made more free throws this year than their opponents have shot. shot. I right. almost fell straight <laughs> out of my chair.
0: That, right, that's straight from what uh, Mark Packer used to hammer home. Now, to be fair, and I tried to make this point to no avail, most good teams have that profile. You could yeah. probably pluck that similar profile Profile, but it sounds so unfair. It sounds so unjust. And and look, Duke does get calls, and Shishovsky absolutely digs into these refs like a mofo. But they're a better team. They're gonna get more fouls.
3: Absolutely. I, I, yeah. And look, you know, Carolina, Carolina's always gotten calls. You know, and and it was it was it was Kay that challenged the estal- establishment when he said that there is. You know, there's a double standard that exists in this league, and that is when the Carolina-Duke Cold War oh. set in, in the in in from basically you know 86 to 95, and it really and, and until Dean retired at the end of of 1997, that was the Cold War, and I think it reached its head. I think it was the Cuban Missile Crisis at the Omni in 1989 when Carolina beat Duke and Danny Ferry 77-75 in the ACC final it was a bloodbath, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean that, and, and then, you know, Duke became what Carolina was and, and Duke is and Kay has even admitted this, like we became what I challenge, which was the establishment in this yeah. sense. Now he, he'll do it sheepishly, but yeah, he became but, the, the standard that he was fighting against.
0: I think what people don't fully understand is just how much of a cabal the ACC in its olden days really was and the tobacco road mafia. And this is how we do things. I mean, it was almost like Buford T justice in Smokey and the bandit. You know, they knock out your headlight and say, I'm giving you a ticket. It's like, what the hell? I remember people bitching about Fred Barakat, the head of officiating of the (laughs) ACC and the assignments they would give. And then later on working in DC, talking to Gary Williams at Maryland, man, he would off mic tell me about, Bullshit this, bullshit that about, you know, how the ACC is still all about the three schools down there in the triangle and outsiders like us up in Maryland were treated like shit. And I just listened to it all and laughed. He's not entirely wrong, but you're saying Kay bent the curve. He kind of broke into that cabal when he began at Duke.
3: He absolutely, he, he challenged it and it was either going to be, it was going to make him or it was going to break him. And he was almost broken you know, obviously early on and got not, it wasn't just the Wagner game that he lost at home. They got eviscerated in the ACC tournament by Virginia by 40 with Ralph Sampson. And, and, you know, that was in year
0: one or year two, I believe that was year two. Yeah.
3: And, and so it would have been, you know, today, goodbye, goodbye, Tom butters, you know, you can, you can, you know, put on your suit of armor they were going to break down the door and drag you into the moat and end you <laughs> right before they would end him. But, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, your great memory about Fred Barakat And, and <laughs> Listen, we would feel calls all day. Can you imagine t- taking calls all day about a guy who's not even calling the game? He's I know. the guy who's making the assignments Who is the, for the three guys. And, oh, by the way, those guys, like Lenny Wirtz. And and Froggy Papara and and these guys who were who are actually Duke
0: Edsel. Man, bearcat. don't gave us Duke Edsel again. (laughs) Hey, we ain't gotten a whistle from him in thirty years. That's how it was.
3: That's how it was. was. And Gary Williams and preceding him, you know, Lefty Drusell, when Lefty won the ACC tournament in Greensboro. He said, "I'm going to strap that trophy to the hood of my car like a hood ornament and drive all around the oh, state before I head home."
0: God. Do you know? Do you know how much it hurts? So much. So many people in the D.C. area, especially Maryland fans, that they're not still in the ACC.
3: It has to. Be. It
0: just is gutting every day of college basketball season. Nothing against the Big Ten, but we're a fish out of water don't belong there and they miss all the old rivalries but money rules and that's just the way it goes all right i got a couple of things for you here uh and this has been great um but uh, one of the other things i want to ask you about was woody durham the longtime mm. voice of the tar heels legend like legendary up there with the likes of k Wood ledford who did kentucky games forever no question all right, what yeah, about no, Woody you know, Durham that you remember the most, and what was his impact on the program?
3: Well, you know, it's it, you know, Woody was one of my dad's best friends, and so I got to play some golf with Woody, and, and he – look, he was – and interestingly enough, and this is bizarre, <laughs> but Bob Harris, who did not have the profile that Woody had, but because Duke became so good, Bob Harris, who called Duke basketball – and Woody Durham, they grew up together. Really? They grew up, yes. They went to the same high school. Huh. They're in the same County Hall of Fame. But anyway, Woody, Woody was, look, his great first legendary call was obviously 82, and Michael Jordan made the shot uh, in the Superdome. But he was, Woody was very subtle but very effective to, to, to the Carolina fan base to make them feel comforted on every broadcast that any slight was was always acknowledged. Any call that they didn't get, which was very rare, uh, was totally egregious. Uh, but he was a great—I mean, he was a great broadcaster. And by the way, his his son Wes is one of the truly elite broadcasters today. I mean, he he is. And he's you know, doing he is, the games.
0: He took over for dad.
3: Uh, no, no, he's not. At oh, he's Carolina. not. No, he's not. He actually, for many years, did Georgia Tech. And, and also did the Atlanta Falcons and still does the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, okay, Falcons. right, 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 okay, so West Durham, yeah, season. got it.
0: Yeah. All right, who does so, Carolina games
3: uh, on radio? Is, uh, Jones Angel, and he has Eric Montross, uh, who has his own chapters in, in the great history of Duke Carolina, including I was in the building in 92 with when he had the cut under his eye. Yeah. And Leitner and those guys were, were, were number one in the country, Carolina was improving with obviously it was it was Derek Phelps, it was Brian Reese, it was Derek Montross, and they beat him that night seventy seven to seventy-five and Leitner missed a shot to tie the game. And I was on Franklin Street that night and I remember Montras got in the mosh pit and they somehow had a, a they had a mic out there and he said he said, I knew we could do this, we're going all the way. Well they didn't. They went all the way the next year. But Montrose has done the color work with Jones Angel, who was kind of like the, the the side, like update guy for Woody there the last couple years of his okay. career.
0: Okay, very good. I'm pretty Carolina neutral. I'm sympathetic because I know you're a huge fan. Um, yeah. I'm kind of Duke neutral minus. I shade negative on Duke just because you got to because they're just such a power. And, you know, Yep. so I kind of shade that way. But I will say this. The, the Carolina uniforms are flat-out gorgeous. Carolina blue with the iconic diamond venting on the sides. Tell me they're never going to change that. Please.
3: I don't think that they will, and they they, they, they fiddled around. Uh, with alternates. They out, yeah, they broke out the alternates, which I found to be an abomination <laughs> uh, and, and totally offensive. Um, they went back, I thought the one that was okay was the interlocking N and C, yeah. which harkens all the way back to like the woolen gym days. Uh, but when you, when you think about it, it was actually, um, you know, the, the, the advent of that, that diamond and kind of that, that Argyle.
0: Yeah. The Argyle they, look down the sides.
3: Exactly. That, that obviously that did not exist. For the, the days of worthy Perkins and Jordan, they won in the in a, a more traditional uniform that was very similar to '57 when Frank McGuire's team won, and then that was ushered in uh, in the in the late '80s, and so the likes of Mantras and Dante Calabria and Phelps and Reese and and, and Jawad Williams and all those guys uh, they wore um, they wore that, and and I don't think that's going to change. I mean that they have now made that. Like if you look at the sidelines at Keenan Stadium and their football stadium, they incorporate that that. in the end zone. Yeah, that, that is that is now their iconic look. That's not going anywhere. What I don't wanna see, don't you trot out some navy alternate uni because that is that is too close. To the royal blue of Duke University. Yeah. No, you don't can't ever, never go ever darker. Do that. Never go, darker. go dark. Yeah, exactly. Never go
0: darker than that. All right. Last question: Did they ever figure out what the ceiling is the roof means? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you know, jo- the- Michael Jordan on his trip back to uh, was it what? What was the occasion in which he said that in front of the faithful?
3: It was. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if it was a celebration. Uh, I, I, I don't know what. Particular team was being celebrated. They they actually celebrated the 40 year anniversary of the 82 team this year. It wasn't 10 years. Maybe it was 10 years ago. That was the 30th anniversary. You know that 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 slogan that Michael said that is one of the most nonsensical things i ever uttered is, is now when they come out of the tunnel at Keenan Stadium, that's on carping. Really? Yes. No Yes, yes. they <laughs> use that now in in imaging. YouTube
0: has uh, the ceiling is the roof remix. The ceiling is the roof. The roof is the roof. It's the, roof, it's
3: the roof, roof. 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 Roof.
0: Roof. Oh, my God. God
3: now, boy. what I want Steve, see, the last thing, I, I don't know who's going to be in the building Saturday night at the Superdome. I think that there's going to be some Duke guys who are who are going to feel gun shy because they were all in the in the building to see that funeral at, at Cameron you know a month ago and they're going to be thinking oh wait a second are we going to do are we going to tempt fate again i think there's a good chance michael's going to be there but Ooh. i'm just hoping for some of my all-time favorites eric meek greg newton i i oh. want some of the all-time duke flunkies uh, to be in the building on saturday night eric greg meek be <laughs>
0: Yes, that would be great indeed. Oh, my God. I think most of my media brethren are softly, quietly rooting for the fairy tale ending with Coach K. I think they are. They don't want to admit it. I'm on the side of I'd love it if Carolina says nope again for the second time in a month and just ruins everything. Uh, So I'm with you on Saturday. Good luck, bud.
3: Thank you, my friend.
0: All right, pal. Five Clubs is the podcast to watch, listen, download. Uh, Gary's doing great stuff with it, bringing on high-profile guests, building and building. It's a great spot for all your golf stuff. Thank you, bud. Thank you, buddy. All right, we'll end on this. In light of the Chris Rock-Will Smith fight, somebody pointed out the following. Imagine a worldwide combat bracket, mano y mano. How many rounds would you have to win to stand atop the pile of the world's seven billion people, whatever it may be in, if you just faced off, whether it was you know flipping quarters or punching each other out, how many rounds would you have to win to be king of the world? The answer, only thirty-three rounds. That's right, seven billion people plus on the planet, you could do a whole bracket one-on-one, winner advances, whatever you want to make it, it would only take 33 rounds to be the king of the world. It reminded me of one of my favorite bits from The Onion when they used to produce videos. Maybe they still do. I don't know what the state of The Onion is, but this was a classic about the Sports Center spoof they called the Steam Room, where they talked about expanding the NCAA tournament to an absurd number of teams.
2: ready for more madness. The NCAA has announced it's expanding the men's college basketball tournament to include 4,096 teams. (laughs) We'll separate the contenders from the pretenders in this
4: hot and sweaty edition of the Steam Room. This is the Steam Room. Where only the strongest opinions can stand up to the heat. Alongside OSN college basketball analyst Joe Monticello, I'm Tim Devan. And Joe, welcome to the Steam Room. You ready to sweat out some answers? I'm ready, Tim. Then close the door before the Steam gets out. (laughs) Steam Room begins now. Joe, is this a good move for the NCAA?
5: Great move, Tim. I love this idea. There are just so many quality teams out there that lost a tough game, couldn't get over that five-win hump, or haven't even played a game yet this season.
4: And it's great that the league finally let them all in. Now, Division II and III schools will be let in for the first time ever. Is this going to bring down the level of play? Absolutely not Arkansas Tech had a great year so did Flagler we
5: so did Emporia State let's turn up the heat and talk about Eckerd look out for Eckerd they got a full roster and they're having
4: practices so the league then will get the air next for a couple thousand games and we're gonna get college hoops all the way through June June
5: madness <laughs> like Are like you kidding me it's great I mean but this this is really for the fans sure. I mean, they get to watch up to
4: 500 games a day on OSN 2 and OSNU. time for some predictions the Central Kansas region's got 300 technical and vocational colleges who's your pick for the 637 678
5: matchup well I have to tell you I really really like the online university of liverpool do you think they can take the region No, no no i think that's going to go to the xenon international school of hair design the whole town at topeka was crazy for xenon international unfortunately they lost their star player cody beak last year he graduated and became a barber but they still have a very talented core and i wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them show up in the fantastic
4: 512 or maybe even the tremendous 256. (laughs) all right joe let's feed the boiler and get things even steamier it's time for the final sweat can you handle the heat i love the heat Despite the NCAA's best efforts to include everyone, there are still some teams that got left out. Right. Who's going to be missed the most? Well, I
5: would have loved to see Oxnard, California's advanced truck driving school compete, but sure. unfortunately, they didn't get their registration in for the tournament is in time. Right? Their coach uh, misplaced the application. Terrible. So 4,097 slots Hey, year. why stop there, right? Damn it, I love college basketball. You know you do,
4: Joe Monticello, and you have survived the steam room. Open up the door and get yourself some air.
0: Oh, God. The funny thing is... Uh, it would not take until June to do a tournament like that. I did the numbers, and you know me and math, it's always shaky, but I'm pretty sure about this. It would only take a few weeks longer. After one weekend, you'd be down to 1,024 teams. Uh, so that's two rounds there, starting with 4,096. And then after two weekends, you'd be down to 256. After three weekends, you'd be down to 64. And then three more weekends of the traditional tournament from there. So it wouldn't even take an extra month. It would be a six-week footprint. You would basically run it to May 1st or 2nd, roughly, and you could actually have 4,096 teams. But, of course, it would be pretty stupid. And I don't even think with all the Division Two, II, Division Three, and NAIA schools you could get to 4,096. All right. Let's see how we did yesterday in my daily who do you like tonight.com. I told you this is going to be a thing going forward. Uh, I had the Bulls last night minus the five, and they got beat by the Knicks outright 109 to 104. DeMar DeRozan had 37. Uh, they stopped him down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh, Knicks are going to miss the playoffs, but still, pretty good, solid win for them against a good Bulls team. But I'm back on the horse tonight. Gonna take the Dallas Mavericks over LeBron and the Lakers. Why? Because it's always fun to get fun to bet against LeBron. Dallas minus eleven and a half. Who do you like tonight.com. Brought to you by my friends at mybookie.com. Open your account and get that sweet, sweet action. Make sure to use promo code ZABE. All right. That is gonna do it for me today. Thank you so much for downloading as always. Please badger a friend that you might know about this show tell them how great it is, how much you love the podcast. Remember to subscribe for a full 1% status. It's a mere 5 bucks a month. You get 12 months for the price of 11 when you sign up for a year, and 5 bucks a month is less than your guacamole budget at Chipotle, so don't say you don't have it. Have yourself a great Wednesday everybody and we will see you next time. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the betting season is over. Oh, no, 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 no.